Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the lives of ourselves, our family, and others. Who remembers the story of the little red hen? I do. The story asks, who will do the many steps that it takes to make the bread? Like the gathering, the grinding, and the baking. Well, no one would help, and the little red hen had only enough to feed her little family of baby chicks. All of those who did not help did not eat. And we can understand this theme because it's even in the Bible. There's a part that says those who do not work shall not eat. So again, I ask the question, how prepared should we be? Well, it makes me think of the many people who I have talked to about being prepared. Just prepare in having the most basic food supplies for the just-in-case situation. Yeah, you can go back to that story of the little red hen and think about the dog, the cow, the pig. Think of all those animals and they didn't want to help. But I think in some future day, people will want to eat and they will wish they had stored up. So when I talk about storing up the basics, I get a surprising mix of, of responses from people. Some will say, well, I hope nothing bad happens. Or they might say, if something bad happens, I guess I'll just die. Or, I don't want to live if there's such a calamity were to occur. Or, I'll go to your house. <laughs> or, God will provide. And I do think God did provide you with a mind and a body by which you can foresee a time of difficulty and prepare for it. If you are that person who sacrificed your extra blessing from today to make provision for an unknown need tomorrow, what portion are you willing to give those who are hungry tomorrow? Well, I don't know the answer, and I know that charity is right and proper, and so is providing for your own. This question, though, is a struggle because we don't know if a calamity would last a month, month and a half, a year, a year and a half. We don't know. And by the way, if it is a year and a half, um, it takes that long to plant, to grow, and to harvest a crop. Pretty much that's the rule. Anyway, you will want to examine these questions before a situation requires a quick answer. And you probably want to think more with your intellect than with your heart. Because you can change your mind later if you want. But if you think with your heart, it's pretty tough to, to see the situation. There's a few people who say, don't worry, we'll be raptured before any great struggle arises. This is a real question because people with great minds have disagreed with this very point. They disagree with each other in each point of view. Well, I think it's only reasonable to have a supply of the basic foods that we need stored up for some time of difficulty, not for the great tribulation, but just for times of great difficulty. If our country does go through a time of judgment, it just might be a hard and a long period of time. We will want to get through that difficulty. This is episode 20. I urge you to start your preparations now before there is an urgent need and what you want is hard to find. Remember to give thanks to God for the blessings that you do have. Your letters with questions or donations are important. 
John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior called to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Settle up your Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the world in Red Sky Radio, where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Another packed program, as always. I am traveling this week, so um, don't have all of my resources at hand. Uh, but I hope, but I got my Bible, I got my notes, and that's probably all I really need for this program because we're going to focus on one particular topic at the end of the program, at least maybe the second half of the program, and you don't want to miss it. As I say, we start with good news, we end with good news. Try to end with good news. In between, you just have to hang on because it's a, it can be a wild ride. But this first news story, I mean, there, I actually I have two pieces today that I think are, I wouldn't say just good news. I would call them great news. And neither one of them will you hear anything about in the mainstream media. Nothing. Especially this first one. And this is, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just kind of marvel at how God is using Donald Trump. I know you think that I'm some... West Coast front man for him. But if somebody keeps doing something good, I'm going to keep talking about something good. And if they keep doing something bad, I will keep talking about something bad. They say, well, why do you always talk about Trump? Well, because 90% of the stuff he does is good. I've mentioned a couple things that uh, I disagree with him on where I thought he was wrong. But 90%, he's, I, I think he's in God's hand and God's turning his heart. Like it says in Scripture, like the waters, whatever direction God so desires. People say, why were you always bashing Obama? Well, because every week he did something awful, 98 to 99% of the time. Well, what was the 1% or 2%? Well, I'll tell you, the 1% or 2% was when the guy went golfing, and he didn't have time to, to, to mess anything up. I used to be bothered by Obama golfing all the time. Then I realized that as long as he was golfing, he wasn't screwing something up and he wasn't messing something up. He wasn't perpetrating some anti-Christian, ungodly, unbiblical behavior on us or on other nations. So there you go. But this one does involve Donald Trump and you will not. I, I don't think you'll have heard it in the in the mainstream news because it came by a source that uh, I consult from time to time. I have vetted it. Israel, Israel has given Donald Trump arguably one of the most, one of the greatest honors you could. They have named a portion, a very small portion, mind you, like a, a town in the Golan Heights. They have read, they have named it after Donald Trump. You see, Trump, unlike Obama, who wanted to give away everything Israel owned because he hates Jews. He had Jew haters in his cabinet, and the Democrat Party is a party of Jew haters. As we Well, we probably won't get to it later on, but there is a new Jew hater 
that they want to run against a Jewish Democrat in New York to unseat him like Ocasio-Cortez unseated what's-his-face, who uh, Ocasio also being a Jew hater, joining all the other Jew haters. So forget the anti-Semitic, Semitic stuff. They're Jew haters. Just cut to the chase and call it what it is. But Trump, unlike his predecessor, 180 degrees different from Barack Obama, came out boldly and said that the Golan Heights belongs to Israel. End of discussion. With as much certainty as Barack Obama said global warming is a fact in the first two or three State of the Union addresses before it was no longer a fact, and then he changed the fact and said climate change is a fact. Well, you know, as, as different from Obama as Trump could be, and I'm thrilled, he has spoken unequivocally about the support for Israel. The Everybody said you couldn't have the embassy, U.S. embassy move to Jerusalem, recognize it as a capital. Obama said it. Bush, too, said it. Clinton said it. Bush, one, said it. You, you got to secure. They all said they would do it, but you can't because of security reasons. Whatever the reason, Trump, security, schmacurity, doesn't matter to him. He's got a job to do, and he is doing it as expeditiously as he can. So he confirmed the right, the exclusive right, the eternal right for Israel to keep and retain as a security measure as part of the as part of Israel, the Golan Heights. So what did they do? In honor of Trump, there is an area now of the Golan Heights called Trump Heights. You gotta love it. I mean, folks, there's not Truman Heights. There's not Truman anything in Israel, even though he was a factor, a big factor in Israel coming into being. There's not Reagan Heights. Reagan didn't recognize Jerusalem as the capital. He didn't he didn't recognize the Golan Heights as belonging to Israel. He didn't recognize fully the West Bank exclusively without some stupid, idiotic, asinine two-state solution peace accord. Leave it to Trump. The guy who said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Gosh, I've been a Presbyterian all my life. Well, if that's as deep as it goes, for his own sake, I would hope it goes deeper. But as long as he is doing God's will, I am thrilled. And I just love this. Trump Heights. You see, everybody's fine with, you know, Martin Luther King this and Martin Luther King that and Obama this and Obama that. I don't see much Bush anything. I don't see much Clinton anything. And mind you, when would there ever be uh, a school or a bridge or a highway named after Trump? No, to find out just how much he is honored, just how much he is revered, just how much he is loved by our closest ally, which is not Mexico, which is not Canada, which is not England, it's Israel. You have to go to Israel to find out and see just how much they appreciate and love him. I'll tell you, it is a thing to behold, and I am thrilled with that. Now, next piece of good news, because I spent too much time on that. Well, maybe no, maybe not. I have said with great frequency, maybe ad nauseum, that the only way that you're ever going to get a Democrat's attention, their respect, and it won't be respect. It'll just really probably end with attention. The only thing they will ever listen to is if they get spanked in the fanny. They got to get slapped in the derriere financially before they will ever truly respond. Or you tease them financially. So the carrot and the stick, they'll go munching after carrots, especially if it's somebody else's money, and they will ultimately respond to a stick if the stick is going to cost them money. So the story coming out of Oberlin College, which I think is in Ohio. This is a situation. I want to just tell you what happened so that you put this in the proper context and what happened to this school, which I am absolutely thrilled about. So three years ago, there's a black Oberlin student who tries to use a fake ID 
to buy a bottle of wine at a place called Gibson's Bakery. Now, the store employee, who is the grandson of the current owner, but a descendant of the original bakery owner who started the bakery in 1885. That's how long it's been in the Gibson family. So he appropriately did not sell the alcohol to him because it was a fake ID. But while he was checking that, he noticed two bottles of wine stuffed under the guy's shirt. So the, so the employee, Gibson's his last name, it's Gibson's Bakery. So they told, um, told the student that he was going to call the cops. So the student uh, knocked the phone out of the guy's hand and then ran out of the store, I think with the bottles of wine. I don't, know if it, I don't really know if he had them or not, but he did have them. And so the employee chases him outside where he reached, somehow catches up with the guy. He probably really did have the wine because he caught up with him. He was carrying stuff. And then two other blacks, two women, Cecilia Whetstone and, and Dia Lawrence, they start beating up on the store employee. Okay. So the three students and, and, the, and the store clerk is white. So the three students are charged for their crimes. They acknowledge their crimes. They paid the price for their crimes. And in court, they admitted that there was no racial bias whatsoever in this altercation. All right? Kind of the end of the fact situation. I want to lay that out there because that's important. The, the, the One committed a crime. Two participated in an aiding and abetting, I guess you would call it. They paid the price. They paid their dues. They got caught. They admitted it and stated, very frankly, race had nothing to do with this. We didn't beat him up because he was white. We didn't try to steal from him because he's white. And we don't believe that because he was white, he was chasing us. Because he was white and we're black, he was chasing us. But Oberlin College, a crew of white administrators, I might add, who always seem to be looking for some opportunity to jump on some black liberation theology bandwagon and look like heroes and crusaders for a cause that's not theirs and for which they're fake, fake, uh, well, they're, they're just fakes. I, 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 don't, I guess I don't want to put in the noun to which that adjective would apply. But the dean of students and the interim vice president, Meredith Raimundo, so she protested the bakery. She published it. She said that the owners were racist. How dare you, an innocent white, apprehend three guilty blacks? Now, if it's the other way around, it was three whites stealing from a black owner, you know, would, would that come up? Probably not. But she just, because the leftists, these weenies on the left, think that they can say and do anything that is against anybody who's white male conservative, for starters, let's throw in heterosexual, and, and get away with it, well, she didn't. The school didn't. Then the school went so overboard, they broke ties with the bakery, which from, which, from which they had purchased goods in the past. So the store, the store sued. They got a jury. The jury awarded $11.2 million in compensatory damages, not against the three black guys, or the three blacks, because they, they weren't the ones that were publishing the lies and the racist lies at that. It was the whites at the school. And then the, the, the judge awarded, although it had to be reduced because it exceeded the statutory limits in Ohio, awarded $22 million, 33, but it was cut down to $22.1 million in punitive damages. Punitive damages. In other words, they said, we're going to spank the fanny of Oberlin College for thinking they can just go around and, and just slander anybody at any time for made-up stories, and they think that they've got such a tailwind behind them to be able to call any white person racist without any financial consequences. You guys got it wrong. So Oberlin goes in there and said, look, we're a poor school. That's what they said. They claim we're poor and being forced to pay the Gibson family for defaming them would hurt students. No, you're hurting students by being the idiotic morons and leftists that you are by thinking that you can just go beat up innocent people in, by their words and kill their businesses. I don't think so. You leftists can only learn 
by big getting a big whop in the fanny. And it worked. Oberlin, go out of business, file bankruptcy. You're a worthless school and fire Raimondo. We'll be right back. Well, hey, how are you? Welcome to Red Sky Radio. I am the tech guy, and considered this a PSA, I want to quickly tell you how you can get all the episodes. You can go to darkskyradio.com. Once you get there, go towards the right. You'll see on the menu page a Red Sky Radio tab. Click on that tab, and voila, there you are. There's a media player. You can go through and listen to all the past episodes. You can go through and download all the past episodes. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page, what you'll find is a Google Play button. You can click on that and subscribe to this radio show via Google Play, or to the left, you can go to iTunes, and that will that button there will take you to a a new page, the Podomatic page. You can subscribe right there and listen. You can scroll down on that page to the right and find the iTunes subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to Red Sky Radio. are back. This is Rob Walter with Red Sky Radio. Okay, I got to get moving here. I'm taking up a lot of time today on those two great news stories. This is how bad the left is when it comes to abortion. I gotta, I'm got i going to be brief with this. Missouri was going to be the next state without an abortion clinic. One, one planned non-parenthood, one pack of butchers, barbarian butchers in St. Louis were trying to stay in business. They sued when the state came to shut them down for uh, a gazillion health violations, a left-wing judge not only ordered the state to not shut down the clinic, in other words, I'm going to order the clinic opened, the judge has the audacity to seal the 62-page report of the uh, uh, city of St. Louis or the state, I'm sorry, it was the state health department. The state health department, they, they, the judge ordered 62 pages sealed, meaning it's closed to the public, that listed all the violations. So not only are we not going to clean out this crud underneath the left-wing pro-aborts abortion refrigerator, if you will, we're not going to even let you have a flashlight or the batteries to shine under the refrigerator to see just how filthy it is. That's the extent to which the pro-aborts go to cover their lies. Okay, well, catch this. This is what's coming to the United States. Uh, you, you heard the program last week. I spent a lot of time on the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ issues and the Gestapo and all of that. But this is what's coming. There's a University of Sussex in England. So what happens in England seems to cross over the pond eventually. They have a new speech restriction, one that demands that any and all, any and all references to the transgender lifestyle must be positive, must be portrayed positively. So those people who are sinking and sinking in sin and are totally screwed up, need deliverance, need the gospel, you cannot say anything truthful. That's what's happening here. Forget the truth. The truth doesn't trump anything. You know, the left always, the, the feminist march was saying, we're going to speak truth to power. Remember that from last year? Truth to power is a misstatement. Truth, it's truth in power. When you have the truth, it is powerful. These people don't have it. That's why they have to. That's why the judge can't let people see the truth, the 62 pages of, of violations of the killing machine there in St. Louis. That's why this university doesn't want anybody to hear the truth about the transgender lifestyle and how sick and sordid and sorry that segment of society is and they need deliverance. No, everybody wants to feel really good about their sin. And as a consequence, they have to shut up the people who would speak about it, who would speak the truth. 
I'd like to end there, but I can't. The next thing, I, this is so unheard of just a short time ago. I, I mean, I've, lately, I've talked with so many people that make the same comment that said, you know, not only are we going down, but how on earth could we go down so fast? Well, I'd like to believe and hope that Donald Trump will be reelected and we have a stay of execution because the devil is mad. The devil is ticked off. It, said, it says in Scripture, he, he, moves, he goes around furiously and angrily because he knows his time is short and he has totally animated and possessed the Democrat Party and the left because they fear the end of their little thing, their little thing they've had going. And the left at this point, in my opinion, includes the non-actors or the ones that have been in the way in the Republican Party, i.e. John McCain, i.e. Mitt Romney, and all those sort of neo neocons, as they say. They're not really conservatives. They're What is the term? They're not that. That's not the right term. Rhinos, Republican in name only. That's what I was going for. They're an establishment. And Trump has busted all of that on the left and those who have been participatory on the so-called fake right. But this is what we're dealing with. A new city council member in Denver the other day, brand new, got voted in, Candy Cedebaca or something. I don't know. I've never C-D-E-B-A-C-A. I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't really care how you pronounce her last name, but I am concerned about what she's saying. She made the statement the other day that she is, quote, here's a quote, folks, excited to usher in communism by any means necessary. Can you, end quote, can you imagine getting elected? Oh, I mean, she didn't say that during the campaign, but she probably will get elect, reelected with all the leftists in Denver because Denver's totally screwed up the state of Colorado. Now, I'm going to give you the Encyclopedia Britannica definition of communism. It says, quote, it's a political and economic doctrine that aims to replace private property in a profit-based economy with public ownership and communal control of at least the major means of production. End quote. That's actually incorrect. That is actually a, that's a definition of hard socialism as opposed to light socialism. We don't have a real definition of communism because communism, as it was defined by Marx and Engels, was supposed to be a nirvana. It was supposed to be heaven on earth where the workers rule. There has never been that kind of communism where the state sort of disappears and the workers rule and everybody shares everything voluntarily. Never happened. The closest we have ever gotten to communism is hard socialism, which is what you had under uh, uh, the USSR, what you had under Hitler, what you've got going on in Venezuela. It's hard socialism. But up to and including the use of violence. Now, this is interesting that she would use the term up to and including the use of violence because she's a big anti-gun person. She's one of these people who says, I'm out to end gun violence. Looks like all the other leftists. But we're going to usher in a new world here up to and including the use of violence. Do you see the hypocrisy? that courses through the veins of those who don't have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I, it, just, it, it, just, it doesn't just blow me away. It is, I, I've known this. It just hasn't been manifested, folks, until really recently. They, just, they feel like with the media behind them, which they do have, they can say anything and do anything without any repercussions uh, except for Oberlin College. <laughs> okay, I'm getting to the topic of the day. I'm not quite there. I got one more thing I want to cover here before we launch uh, into the topic of the day for the second half of the program. What do you think is the fastest growing religion in America? Well, there is a a significant increase in Islam, mostly in pub, mostly in the prisons. Is where it's spreading the fastest. And all those who've got three or four wives and they're having Islamic kids, because that's what they do, such as in Detroit and such as in Minneapolis or Dearborn, to be correct, in Michigan and 
and I think part of Minneapolis, which is all Somalian and other communities, which are just growing by leaps and bounds. And eventually those states will turn it over to Sharia law, just like they've done in England, because they don't have the guts to do and say what needs to be said to bring the Islamist jihadists in this country under the Constitution because they despise the Constitution. It stands in the way of a takeover. So that group is increasing. There is a growing, a rapid growth in atheists. There are something like 23% of all residents of the U.S. now contend that they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. Now, you probably thought it's higher. And actually, I think it is higher, but there's a lot of people who will say there's something, and they won't say they're the atheist. They're not going to say the A word. Uh, no, no, we're not an atheist. We're uh, 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 Protestant. Uh, uh, I'm Catholic. Whatever it is, they'll say those things because they're not yet quite comfortable to admitting that they don't believe there's a God or if there is one, they couldn't give a rip about him. So they'll, they'll, they'll fall back on what they consider to be safe ground. So I think the number of, 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 of actual practicing atheists in this country, in other words, they're practicing Theology is atheism, a complete refutation of everything in God's Word and God himself. I think that is much higher than 23%. But from a statistical standpoint, it appears that the fastest-growing religion in America is witchcraft. It is somewhat staggering to see how the, the you know, what, all right, you go back three or 400 years, you came out as a witch, you got burned, right? Okay, that was a pretty strong deterrent to open witchcraft behavior. But it's becoming increasingly open, and the, the modern witches are not dressed in uh, black garb with a flat-brimmed hat and, a, and uh, cruising around on a broom. It's not the Wicked Witch of the East, although she does live something, it does reside in, in New York, by the way, and the wicked witch of the, and you know who I mean, and the wicked witch of the West, who actually does reside in California, and I think uh, you know who I mean there, but they don't wear that garb. They get made up. They wear heels. They get dressed up, except for certain times when they actually do put on the garb. Because, you see, witchcraft is sort of like liberals, sort of like something. It was the George Soros, uh, David Axelrod, comments that, look, if you're going to change America, if you, in other words, if you want to wreck America and call it, you can't call it a revolution. you got to call it change, right? Time for change. And you can't go into boardrooms with your tie-dyed shirts and your long hair. You can't look freaked out. Put on a suit. Cut the hair. Look like everybody else. The, witch, the witches have adopted and embraced that approach until they're amongst only themselves and then they uh, uh, let their hair down, so to speak. Um, and they get the brooms out, not for clean. I don't know about that. But anyway, um, so the popularity of it is actually exactly a, a companion and commensurate to the rise of radical feminism. And one woman, a witch, said, look, uh, quote, the fact that the resurgence of feminism and the popularity of the witch are ascending at the same time is no coincidence. They are two, the two are reflections of each other. And Michael Brown had this to say, he said, shades of the spirit of Jezebel herself are upon the United States. Shades of that idol worship seductress from biblical times who did three, four things, emasculated men, silenced the prophets, practiced sorcery, and witchcraft. And you see this, and Brown goes on, he said, there's this connection between the rise of radical feminism, the explosion of porn, the attack on masculinity, the militant abortion movement, and the resurgence of witchcraft. They are upon us, and they are not isolated, independent events. Now, to that point, I want to mention something, which I mentioned not that long ago, but just bear with me. And it was a dream I had many years ago while living in Virginia, going to law school. And I, in this dream, I went out on the back porch and I noticed this storm, very dark clouds, very dark clouds. I mean, I just, 
Uh, I had lived before that in Oklahoma and it looked like tornadic, I guess would be the word, activity. But I wasn't concerned because I, I'm kind of a weather nerd. Well, no, I'm just a, a nerd, but weather is one of those areas I'm nerdy about. And the storms typically come from the west to the east or to the southwest to the northeast, particularly tornadoes. So since this storm was to the east of me in Virginia, I wasn't concerned. I said, well, it's going to blow offshore. But something got a hold of me in the dream, and I went back outside to check it, and I saw that this dark cloud was closer. Now I said, gosh, this must be, this is an, a nor'easter, as they would say, or something like that. It's coming from the east. I went back out a little later, and it was perilously close, intensely black in the middle of the day. It just looked like night was descending. Well, it was the beginning of night descending, and I stood out there awestruck, fearful, but also sort of magnetically held captive to what I was looking at. And as it got closer, I indeed did see the tornadoes. But they weren't things that went up, you know, two, 3,000 feet. They only went up about 30 feet above the ground. And on each tornado was a demon. They were, these are little tornadoes. They're only like maybe two feet wide. And the demons were riding them. They had their arms and legs around it, but they weren't going around. The tornado was spinning with inside, and they were just coming forward. They're all looking forward, and they looked like what they what they looked like were really darkly greased white guys. It's the best way I can say it. It was sort of a dark complexion, but it seemed to come from a grease uh, that was on their face, and and they were laughing insidiously. Now, as time has gone on, I think this, this dark grease on white guys, it, there's meaning to that. and You can run with that if you want, uh, something I hadn't given consideration to until about the last two, year and a half to two years ago. However, my point was, the point is, every single one of these tornadoes went up and siphoned into and was controlled by the one dark cloud. One dark cloud was bringing all of these little mini tornadoes. It was in control of all of them. And at the time when I woke up, I prayed about it, and God revealed the obvious to me. One of them is abortion. One of them is a homosexual lifestyle, the culture, and then get ready because it's going to be imposed upon you because that's what these these tornadoes are doing. They're from the devil. What does the devil come to do but to steal, kill, and destroy? That's what this was about. This was a this was a destruction mission, a death mission. And so I say to this spirit of Jezebel, this resurgence of the witch, that every single one of these, radical feminism, the, uh, the porn explosion, the attack and the emasculation of men, the militant abortion movement, uh, all the things of Jezebel, the, the male emasculation, the silencing of the prophets. In other words, we are going to put a cork in every single Christian who has the guts to say anything, to say or disseminate anything written or spoken about abortion or about the queer movement. We're going to put a cork, and if that doesn't work, we're going to kill them. We're going to sue them. We'll put them in prison. We're going to silence the prophets, just as Jezebel did, who was out to kill the prophets by silencing. That was her way of silencing. And she practiced sorcery and witchcraft. You see, every single one of these things is its own little tornado. Whether it's the queer movement, whether it's the abortion, whether it's the emasculation of men, it all funnels and comes from, funnels up to, and is animated and energized by the same dark cloud, Satan, the enemy of our souls. And he's moving across this country, started it. When I had that dream was many, many years ago. It wasn't upon me yet. But I do remember the end of the dream was I grabbed the kids and said, hey, we got to get out of here. And by the time I tried to escape, the whole street was crammed and jammed with cars trying to flee the tornado. I couldn't go anywhere, and it came upon me, and I was overwhelmed. It was the end of the dream, you know. Like, you know, you wake up just before you hit the ground after falling off a cliff. Thank goodness. But anyway, I don't know whether that part of it is true. I, and maybe, maybe that has been a factor in motivating this program for 15 years. I, I want to be ahead of that dark storm. I want to be the one warning people what's coming. And it is coming. And the fact that we have are growing in an area of something of idolatry and witchcraft in this country 
is simply a natural progression of the progressives towards their conclusion. Jezebel probably didn't start out quite where she ended up. She, you know, whatever she was, she probably wasn't that at the beginning. She, she progressively got worse, as in re, progressing towards evil is regressing biblically. And that's why I don't use the word progress. Everybody calls the left progressives. There's nothing progressive about offering up your children as a child sacrifice. That's regressive. They did that thousands of years ago. There's nothing progressive about queer this, queer that, queer everything, tranny this, tranny that, Bruce, transgender, what have you. There's nothing progressive. That's regressive. That's going back to Sodom and Gomorrah. There's nothing progressive about stealing and taking your guns and confiscating them. That's regressive. That goes back to Adolf Hitler. That goes back to Joe Stalin. That goes back to Idi Amin. That goes back to Phil, Fidel Castro. That goes back to Kim Jong, whoever. None of that's progressive. It's all regressive, returning to the same uh, tried and, and sometimes proven tricks and tools of the enemy of our souls, Satan himself. Well, that's the introduction to the next piece. <laughs> well, hey, maybe I ought to travel uh, more often. I feel like I am unencumbered by interruptions and distractions while I'm on the road. I don't know. So the next thing is I want to deal with what is coming as a result of the coalescing of various movements. The coalescing, the coming together of the various anti-God, Christophobic, bibliophobic, truthophobic squadrons that are being dispatched all over this country. So here's the deal. There are various elements that want to take over this country. And as I said from the dream they are all animated by the, the one from the dark side. And they're outspoken and increasingly bold in that outspokenness. They're very much more candid, feeling that they have no consequences to suffer by their candor, I guess would be the word. And they have all, interestingly, several things in common Several, a couple of which I've already talked about. They all hate God. They hate the, you know, they hate uh, Christianity. They're Christophobic, bibliophobic, truthophobic, as I mentioned. But you have different groups that simply want to remake America in their image. You have the outspoken Muslims, like the 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 two reps who are the, the Jew haters. Um, who you know who I mean. In fact. If you don't believe that Islam is out to take over the country, you, you write me, info at redskyradio.net. I will send you a video that will shock the daylights out of you as to how candid this female Muslim is in their desire to take over the United States and make it 100% Islamic with no consideration or accommodation for any other faith. I'll send it to you. It's not fake. This is the real news. You have the radical feminists love to remake this country in their image, not the image of God. You have almost all LGBTQ, RSUV, WXYZ people, crowd, would concur with what I'm going to say. There are uh, almost all atheists, virtually all Democrats. They all hate the truth. Most of them hate the truth. Great majority hate the truth. Some are identify with whatever they identify with because they're searching. They haven't been set free. But they all have one additional thing in common that's the subject of the rest of this program. Every single one of them wants to take our guns. Every sing The Islamists that are open here want gun control. Why? Because that makes it easier for them to take over this country without any resistance. The radical feminists want... Guns removed. Why? Because there's nobody to resist the, the remaking the country in their image. The queers, the queer crowd and the tranny crowd want guns taken away for the most part. There's a few exceptions. What is that group, Dyke, Dykes on Bikes and the Pink Pistols? There are a few of those out there who want to keep their guns. The great majority would just as soon see them. The real radical ones, the activists, want guns taken away. Why? Because it, it, op it gives them the opportunity to attempt to remake 
the country in their image, like their new uh, campaign slogan. What is it? Uh, Make America gay again. The Democrats, the atheists, they want the guns taken. How can they enforce atheism as long as people can defend themselves? The Democrats want guns taken because how can the government be in control if people can defend themselves? And who are their targets? I want to tell you who those who are white, those who are black, those who are brown, those who are Asian, anybody and everybody who actually treasures the U.S. Constitution and the price that was paid for this country's liberation from England and the fabulous Constitution we had, which is being perverted by leftists. But those are the ones that are the target because we, white, black, brown, whatever color, who love this country and who treasure the Constitution, who love their God, love our love God, not their God, love God, are the ones who stand in the way of them remaking this country. And on my watch, maybe it'll happen, but not because I've gone down without a fight. Not, not no way, not no how. You see, the amazing thing about this is, you know, you hear radical feminists, you hear the leftists say, you know what, we gotta, we got to end the gun violence. Anyway, as I quoted this other gal, or this other this gal today that's gonna, she wants to usher in communism by any means uh, necessary, and it includes violence. Well, you see the hypocrisy which I mentioned. But if men, for example, use those who would emasculate men, if uh, if the Jezebels, if if they really hated men the way they say they do, and I have to trust that they do, if they really believe men hated them as much as they believe that men hate women then why would you have then why would you have abortion why would you have something that kills 50% of the women why would look i'm i'm going to make this this may be a bit crude but sometimes i have to do this to make the point if i were a guy who really just despised women i thought they were just simply nothing more than than sexual objects for self gratification at any time, at any price, or no price, would I be against the Second Amendment? Would I be against the Second Amendment? Yes, I would. Because that would prevent me, a woman carrying, a woman defending, it would, it would prevent me from being able to rape a woman e- much, more e- much easier than if she had a Beretta Ready to put me out with a the, some nine about four shots from a nine millimeter, I got to, I get toasted in the course of her defending herself. If I were trying to rape her, you see, a person who really hates women or just considers them tools for sexual gratification would be against the Second Amendment and remove from women the ability to defend themselves. Most men are stronger than women. Most men are faster than women. Women would. Uh, make good use of a of a of a weapon to defend themselves to be the great equalizer when at five foot whatever one hundred and whatever they're faced with a guy who's six foot whatever at two hundred and whatever right pepper spray they say oh yeah 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 you don't need guns you need pepper spray well how about when there are four guys raping you. You got a you got you got that gun with a what it's one plus six sixteen plus one in the chamber. You got three or four for each one of those four guys. Pepper spray doesn't work. More on this. That's just this is the second introduction to the topic of the day. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener supported program. Please know that one hundred percent of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, 
Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. All right, we are back. This is Rob Older with Red Sky Radio. We were talking before the break about all one additional thing that all the Constitution haters, the Jesus haters, the Bible haters, the, the Jew haters, what they all have in common in addition to those things is they all want to take away our guns because good people trained and armed stand in the way of them remaking the United States in their image. So, Democratic presidential candidate, Eric Stallwell. This is a guy who hates guns so much. This is a guy who, a little while ago, said that um, if there were a war between the government and the gun owners, and the gun owners didn't turn in their guns, their semi-automatics or what have you, like he wants, then the, uh, the U.S. government would win because they have the nukes. Well, I don't know how you nuke individuals, but nonetheless, even though, and, and, and he's now said that that was a joke. Look, folks, you don't joke about nuking innocent people. You don't joke about nuking people that you just simply disagree with, To the, but, but for the fact that you don't just disagree, you actually hate them, and you want to disempower your political enemies. It wasn't a joke. It's just that he got called out for his incredible and gross misunderstanding of the Constitution, but it doesn't end there. He said here just the other day, about two weeks ago, I'm sorry, and I quote, he said, if you need a license to operate a vehicle, shouldn't you need a license to operate a weapon? End quote. This is how, how moronic the Democrat candidates are or, or evil. And I guess, you know what, they're not mutually exclusive. You could not have the most minimal under—I yeah, got to rephrase that—the most minimal understanding of the U.S. Constitution would reveal the idiocy of this comment. And as one uh, party said, "Look, we already have a license to own a weapon. It's called the Constitution of the United States of America. Where in the Constitution does it say you have a right to drive?" Every state will tell you driving is not a right. It is a privilege. Owning a gun is not a privilege. It is a right. Stallwell doesn't know crapola about the Constitution. So he goes on to say, quote, Hopelessness and fear abound in too many American neighborhoods. Let me just stop right there. Hopelessness and fear abound in too many American neighborhoods. You know why? Because all the big cities where all the big crime is are all the gun control cities, which have ridiculous crime rates. Why are they hopeless and why are they fear? Because the Democrats have disempowered the people in those big cities from being able to take reasonable precaution to protect themselves. That, Eric, is the the inconvenient truth, why they are hopeless and fearful, not because of the legitimate use of guns, not because necessarily the illegitimate use of guns, but the inability to be able to defend themselves. He goes on to say, we will restore hope and end gun violence with my gun reform platforms. The only thing government has ever done in ending gun violence is there's no more shooting when the enemies of the government are dead. That's when gun violence ends. You want to know all the innocent people who have died worldwide from gun violence? 98% of them are the victims of their own government. That is when gun violence ends, is when their government has nobody left to shoot because all the political enemies are dead or they have removed themselves or they're cowering in fear in some cave. They don't have any targets. Okay, next. Moving right along here. 
Well, and you know what? I, I got to mention something here real quickly. No, I don't have time for it. I got to move on. Barack Obama, the, the former liar in chief, back in action, was addressing a crowd in Brazil. And the extent to which this guy lied about guns is unbelievable. Unbelievable. But he lies very fluently from every orifice of his body. This is a quote from his Brazil speech. Some of you may be aware our gun laws in the United States don't make much sense. Now, I'm going to stop right there. The gun, he's right, but not in the way that he means it. Our gun laws in the United States are laws that are gun control related. They don't make much sense. They passed 10 laws in California. Well, we need some more common sense gun legislation. Well, a few years later, 10 more. We need common sense. Wait a second. If it's so common, why didn't you pass all 4,000 of these bills at once? If it's so common, why wasn't it common to you when you started this incremental uh, elimination of the Second Amendment 10, 15 years ago? Every year it's common. If it's so common, why didn't you do it last year? You pack of liars, and Obama's one of them. But this case... He says they don't make much sense. Well, you're right. He's right in the sense that the gun control laws, the, the laws that we have aren't about the freedom of owning. we got the Constitution for that. All of the gun laws in the United States deal with gun control, gun elimination, and ownership suppression. And they don't make much sense. But he doesn't know what he's talking about. But he doesn't know jack anyway. But he continues on with this, quote, anybody, listen to that word, can buy any weapon, listen to that word, at any time. That's a quote. Without much, if any, regulation, they can buy it over the Internet, and they can buy machine guns. This is just unbelievable. I mean, apparently it's got to go to South America to lie and get away with it because too many people would hear it here. Anybody can buy a gun, lie. Any weapon, lie. Any time, lie. Over the Internet, lie. Can you buy machine guns? Lie. Now, you can actually get a machine gun if you go through this incredible Byzantine network of regulations, licensing, and, oh, by the way, you just happen to have about 20 grand in excess fees or excess, <laughs> excess fees. They are excess fees. They're all fees. In excess cash to pay for all the fees necessary to own a machine gun. But it's not any gun at any time, anywhere, or over the Internet. The guy just lied, lied, lie. Look, Liar, Liar shouldn't be a movie that Jim Carrey should be Obama starring in that. Unbelievable. Well, I'm actually not getting to what I wanted to finish this with, but there are three things people everywhere need to know about the United States right where we are, is that, number one, we now have a lower percentage of households, percentage of households that have guns than 50 years ago. Fact. Guns are harder to get now than 50 years ago. Fact. Guns are safer than they were 50 years ago. Fact. You see, every development dealing with guns has been a reduction of guns and an increase in safety and harder to get. And they continue to say we need more common sense. The spread of the guns on the street are, are crazy. They're wild. Well, what's changed in 50 years? It's not the gun. It's not the gun. It's the country. It's the people. It's the schools. To say that guns are doing the killing, as I saw in KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. 
from townhall.com. I'm Ron DeRockstra. On this vote, the yeas are 84 and the nays are 8. The 60-vote threshold having been achieved, the bill, as amended, is passed. Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton announcing in the results of a vote today on a measure in the Senate providing $4.6 billion in aid to care for migrants at the southern border. Last night, along party lines, House Democrats approved a $4.6 billion measure, but the Senate rejected the House bill before approving its own version. President Trump's en route to Japan for the G20 says he spoke with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and is encouraged about passage of a border aid bill. It's very far along, and I believe the House is going to also be getting together with the Senate. Hopefully they can get something done. Final outcome isn't clear. An impasse could imperil passage of the measure, which is needed soon before federal agencies who care for migrants are hamstrung by a lack of money. The president is urging his evangelical supporters to remain active in the upcoming 2020 election. The crowd here at the Faith and Freedom Coalition's Road to Majority Conference cheered the president and his White House agenda, including